You're listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. There are many things that we as podcasters can spend money on. Hosting, websites, even the ways to generate social media. You're going to spend money. But you know where you've got to blow your hundreds, if not thousands of dollars? You've got to blow it all on equipment. Or do you? We're going to talk about all that more inside this episode of the Podcast Gauntlet. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Brian Ensminger, one of your other hosts. Brian and I continue to wail on the must-have benchmarks or you will fail in podcasting. And this one comes up often. This is probably way on top of the list where someone will chime in to the question, I'm going to buy new podcast gear. What do I need to buy? Right. And it is now time to open up either, not usually, a checkbook or better yet, to go into thousands of dollars in debt so that you too can go and get the same radio level equipment that those using inside of radio do as well so that you will sound just like a radio station podcaster. Thank you. And you shouldn't be doing it. Brian, why? Well, for starters, buying equipment doesn't make you successful. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah. As a, as a podcast editor who has a commitment to high quality audio, that probably sounds really odd for me to say, but the fact is I've seen too many people get stuck on, do I have the right equipment and never launch a podcast? And I can guarantee with 100% accuracy that if you never publish an episode, you will never be successful as a podcaster. And I've seen too many people use, do I have the right thing? Do I have whatever to cover up some imposter syndrome or some fear or something where they're just afraid to get started? Do I want people to have high quality gear? Absolutely. Do I feel bad if people buy incredibly expensive gear and use it? Absolutely not. Do I feel bad if somebody blows three grand on a professional level microphone and another two grand on an interface and like they spend 10 to $20,000 on equipment and then never do anything? Absolutely. I feel I just, that bugs me because whatever it is that they had to say never got said because they just didn't do it. Yeah. There, there are a couple of samples that I'd like to bring up and obviously I won't be naming names or really industries hey. in which they were going to exist. Uh, oh, wait, it's me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, one of the benefits of being inside of podcasting now this long, this is my 17th going into my 18th year as we make and funnel this podcast into realization is I started on an El Crapo $19 gaming headset. No kidding. The over the ears mm -hmm. loop with the draping. Is it still broken? The answer is yes, it was for most of the time microphone that was on this it would never stay in one position for any period of length of time and I'd have to move it. So I'd always have to stop talking. And for me, stopping talking, my God, what's going on here? And it was terrible, but it got us audio and it got us started, which is the whole point. I have consulted with hundreds of people over the years now. And this is one that I don't know how to help people that are on the hump get off the hump. The one that I am going to mention that I think is the most prolific, mostly because of how talented the person is. The person had equipment 
for eight years. Eight years. Sat in the same place in the basement where they were going to, quote, erect a studio. And they didn't do anything with it across eight years and moved to a different home. And then they just sold it off. That is a shame. Because somewhere in those eight years, there are stories, there's perspective to share. But more importantly, the equipment that they did buy didn't get a use at all until it was sold off because it never got used. Yeah. And I I don't know how many times my dad told me this before he died, but if you never try, you won't ever have to worry about succeeding. And he was right. (laughs) Right. I hate finding times when my parents are right that I keep finding as I get older, but my God, there's the one that is sage and will never change no matter who you are. If you don't try, there won't be any fear of succeeding. And I, th- I think one other thing I want to bring up, because when we start talking about expensive equipment, thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. most of the time you're starting to talk about equipment that could be temperamental or needs to be used properly, or there's just a lot of complexity that goes with it. Because with great power comes great responsibility. And Ooh, nice. my experience has been that a lot of times, especially when people are starting their first podcast, it is unbelievably overwhelming. Without question. Because you think, well, all I need is something to talk about. I need to know who I'm going to talk to, and then I'm going to hit record. Well, yeah, but you're also learning new skill sets. You're working through new fears you've never dealt with. You're doing all of that stuff. And if you start throwing in audio routing and trying to do fancy stuff with your computer and all of that stuff, you're probably going to get stuck. And I've seen that happen. So like when people work with me, I tend to, for new podcasters, recommend USB microphones, not because I like USB microphones that much or because I think they're the best tool. I think they're the best tool for the job right now. And I've got a couple, I've got a a budget version that I would recommend for people. And then I've got a more expensive one that I would recommend for people who are serious and who are thinking about working with me as an editor, because if I'm going to have to work with their audio, I want to make sure that they're starting with something that's really good. And also transparently, if they can't afford a moderately expensive microphone, they can't afford me. Like this isn't something like if you, you know, I'm trying to force somebody to buy a hundred dollar or $200 microphone. I'm saying what I charge to edit is more than that. Right. So if you can't afford the microphone, you can't afford me. And so it's a little bit of a kind of a wake up call for them to think in terms of budgeting. So it's not that I'm a trying to be mean. It's just saying, Hey, like you don't have to use this one, but this is what I'm going to recommend because if we're going to work together, we're going to put out something that's good and sounds great. And I need you to be willing to invest too. I think that's wonderfully said. The The concept of investment, especially in the case of a podcast user, the, the concept of investment, especially when it, we're talking about equipment, does not need to be your several thousand dollar microphone. It certainly can be. You brought up something I hadn't even thought of where when you do spend money that is in the thousands of dollars on a microphone, there's no question that you're going to get something that captures, quote, better quality audio. But what is your voice like exactly? Yeah. Now, a lot of people, I can remember this specifically when we got into PR40 microphones. We've essentially been a Heil house at twoguystalking.com since inception. You should tell people what the PR40 is in case they don't know. Oh, sure. Uh, the the uh, PR40 is the Hallmark microphone. And hold on as I reach over here and grab one. Is the Hallmark microphone inside a podcast that looks very much like this one. Ooh, almost. Don't drop Not it, Not quite. Man. For those that aren't watching, I almost dropped the microphone. 
The PR40 is a wonderful microphone. As long as you have the voice to sound wonderful on it. And that is a concept that most people in podcasting don't get. If you have a very mousy voice, Mike Wilkerson, if you do not have the pipes of the gods, like many people have, Gordon Firemark. Oh, man. <laughs> yes. If you do not provide solid cadence in what you're saying on the microphone, there is not some sort of magic sauce that gets sprinkled on this microphone and instantly makes you Casey Kasem. And that is a hard pill to swallow for many people because they too can spend the $400 for a, an A-grade, get out, new out-of-the-box, high-o microphone, PR40, and be ready to rock and roll inside of the realm of podcasting and broadcasting. And that's not what happens. That's not what happens at all. What is real, though, is finding a microphone that fosters your voice. Because there are ones that instantly foster your voice. And then there are other ones that do not help you at all. I think I'd like to also add a little bit because you mentioned Casey Kasem. And I think there's a certain amount of people in podcasting that are kind of looking for that. I want to have a radio-like experience. You need to realize that most of the time when somebody like Casey or somebody else walks in the studio, they don't actually have any choice over what microphone is put in front of them. The studio chose the microphone. The studio chose the board. The studio provides the engineer to set everything up properly and to make sure all of that stuff happens. They walk in and they provide the talent, which is great. But if you were to go buy the same equipment, unless you know how to use it, you're not going to get the same results. Right. Because this is where we're talking about the complexity. The amount of flexibility and power in those systems is unbelievable. Also, the ability to read a 400-page manual and understand what every word means is required because you've got to understand how to put all the pieces together. And that's why I'm so happy with some of the new tools that come out that give good quality audio with minimal effort in terms of how to set it up. Yes, you have to use it right, but it's a lot of them is pretty much just plug it in, make sure it's positioned properly and talk into it. And then when you get to the place where what you have is no longer meeting your needs, maybe you want to add another person, maybe you want to address something that you're hearing in your recording, then I think it's time to start looking at, well, what's the next best option? But until you get to the point where you can identify something that you're not happy with and you know something that will fix it, it's not time. It's not time to go looking for that $5,000 microphone. In my view, it's probably never that time. Although I've got my eye on a $4,000 microphone I would love to have. Probably never buy it because I don't need it. But yeah, they're out there. But no, you don't need them. Yeah. There's something else to talk about. Uh, we've talked ad nauseum about microphones, but when it comes to equipment, it's the whole spectrum. Oh, yeah. The whole gamut of mixers. The, the one that I love to address that we're going to hit here, because I think, frankly, it's far more important, is some sort of sound treatment for the yes. environment in which you're recording. For those of you that are watching inside of our video presentation, whatever platform you're watching, which you can find all the links to over at podcastgauntlet.com, by the way, if you're watching... Um, Brian has an environment where there is what looks like absolutely no sound treatment, anything that I can see visibly. <laughs> in my case, I'm actually sitting in front of where sound would usually bounce, which is from behind you. That would then reflect back into the microphone and make hell for just about anybody. And that's it. There, we, are, we are not sitting in the NASA soundproof room. There is no... Especially in my case, I, I don't know anything about Brian's house. I'm just guessing that oh, it's, none of it's the rooms terrible. are soundproof except 
except of course for your bedroom, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But there is nothing that's built into this structure that I'm in or Brian's home that makes this any more soundproof without treatment. Yeah. And so you must go and find something that will help you treat a room, but don't be mistaken. There is no way to make any room that is inside of your house, quote, soundproof. No. Without spending an inordinate amount of money. And when you, this is the other, the yin and yang of that is when you do make a room soundproof, there's a whole nother listing of problems that you have to Mm -hmm. try and address when you do that, that nobody knows anything about unless you have experience working in that. I can remember vividly when I had, I had access to buy a whisper room. Oh, nice. I will have a link inside the description and the show notes for this episode to them. And the whisper room for those that are not initiated is kind of exactly what it sounds like. It is a giant box. There are a variety of different sizes and you can either stand in them. You can get a chair depending on the size. It can fit more than one person, but essentially it is a box. You go stand in the box in which there is a microphone and you speak and that's awesome. You know, what's even more awesome that I had access to buy one. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Awesome. Well, thankfully my former workplace that I worked at at the time, they purchased one of them. There were two of them from a, I think it was NBC Hmm. and they purchased it and I had access to it. So now not only can I buy my own at a very reduced rate, by the way, but I can also try it out. Well, sign me up. Awesome. And you know what? It sounded like crap. Yep. It sounded like I was talking in a cardboard box. You know why it sounded like I was talking in a cardboard box? Because I was talking in a box. That's why. Mm -hmm. And even the whisper room needs some sort of sound treatment. But to know that, you'd have to know something about that. And I found out all about it from a gent called Mike Delgadio. Yeah. Over at boothjunkie.com. We'll include a link to his stuff too because it's... He's dynamite. Mike's take on things and his sharing nature is just awesome. And it's something that everybody should jump into. So we'll be sure to include the links over to him. But so was that incredibly expensive whisper room? I think they're five, 10 grand each new something. It's something crazy. Would that have been a great investment for me? No, (laughs) not without any of the sound treatment or knowledge about how to actually use it. It would have been worthless. And so in that time, I've been able to find ways around things like that so that we've got decent sound. You guys that are listening now, you've got the sound that we've got with a couple of reasonably solid, not ultra expensive mics, Mm -hmm. but something that sounds good and is delivering and conveying the content that we need to appropriately inside of the environments that we're both sitting at so that you like listening. And that's it. It really doesn't have to be more than that. So I feel like I need to address the sound treatment in my room because it may not look like it to you, Mike, but this room... It's a soundproof room. Well, it's not soundproof because that's literally not possible in my house. So for those that don't know, there's an air conditioner in my attic, right? There's a heat and air unit up there that blows air and it's not directly above me, but it's above me. There's a floor below me. This is a hardwood, hardwood, it's laminate, but it's hardwood floors. This is a rectangular room. I spent several hundred dollars treating this room. I bought some Automute sheets. They're removable. 
on eBay for 50% off, right? So I've got four Autumn awesome. Ute sheets in here that you can't see. Those cool looking pictures behind me in the video, that's acoustic ceiling tile with t-shirts overlaid to catch some of the slap mm. off the back wall. And then directly in front of me is another Autumn Ute sheet, right? Perfect. And I put carpet on the floor. I mean, not, I put a rug Next. on the floor. This room is actually treated. I just did my best to make it look like a set or like an office that's not treated so that it didn't look all janky to me. But yeah. but it's totally treated. And, and that's awesome. I had to. This mic can't handle the room if it wasn't. Well, and most can't. Right. That It's also, again, this isn't the podcast to get into the intricacies of microphones and what works in what environment. But what this podcast is, though, is to help encourage all of you to try and find the right tools that will, one, not break you financially, two, provide you with the best possibility of success that you're at currently, and three, give you even more inspiration so that what you do collect and what you do share and what you are talking about will help reach more people so that it allow you to get to the next level of equipment or microphone or sound treatment or mixer or whatever else you're going to buy. But please, pretty please, do not spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on your initial equipment inside of the podcast cone. You don't need to do that. Brian, last thoughts. You know, I don't know that I have anything to add to this. I think that we've covered it pretty well. So I'm going to just shut up and let us bring it to a close. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Very well said, Brian. I totally agree with that. Remember, all of you can tell us what you're thinking about inside of this episode in regard to spending hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on equipment as you launch your podcasting career over at podcastgauntlet.com. Fill out that quick web form. Tell us what you think. You know, we just might use those inside of a future all-fan input episode where we can talk to you on our not-too-terribly-expensive microphones inside the podcast gauntlet. Until next time, remember, throw down, discuss, rise, and shine in podcasting. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Brian Ensminger, brought to you almost entirely by secondhand gear I bought on eBay, and I'm one of your other hosts. (laughs) Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.